You're listening to I Am Here. Hello, Emily and Senda, and welcome again. (laughs) How are you ladies doing tonight? Uh, Good. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm a little nervous and I'm so excited because you guys are the first ones I'm interviewing. Okay, that's really exciting, but also like don't be nervous because we're really not scary. And that's what editing is for. Yeah. So I launched RPG Casts almost two years ago now. I know, it's amazing. Congratulations. It is crazy. Thank you. And so the more I have interacted with people in the RPG community and like specifically the RPG podcasting community, the more I hear from people and like listeners who would ask me for like, okay, I want to see more women. I want to see people from the LGBTQ community. I want to see people of color. Uh, Like, do you have recommendations for this? And at first, I was like, RPG casts is all about the ladies. Right. <laughs> I remember I'm a that. lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the easy one to go after when you're like, this is me. Let's yeah. start here. <laughs> exactly. I talked with the two of you two years ago. You were some of the very first people who were added to the site. Yeah. Your podcast, She's a Super Geek. And you were also like some of the first people who tweeted about me and were like, hey, you should check out this cool <laughs> repository. And one of the things that, and I actually have no idea which one of you said it. And like, since then, it has been quoted on my site, and I refuse to remove it. One of you said, here we are unapologetically existing in this space. And I loved that. It could have been either of us. Yeah, I was about to say, (laughs) that sounds like me. And that sounds like Senda. And that also (laughs) is something that we have caught on saying sometimes quite a bit. It's just this beautiful honest truth. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And uh, like, I mean, I obviously have credited you on the site. Yes, I, I, I know I go and ogle your site sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Well, one of the important things Senda and I talked about when we were thinking about starting some sort of podcast was we didn't want to get into a debate about whether or not female gamers existed, whether or not female GMs existed. We just wanted to do our thing, to let other people do their thing, to showcase women as GMs. Right. And so unapologetically is is a very important word in that phrase. It, it, it really is. I love that because too often, I think, not just women, but people who are underrepresented yes. or marginalized, too often, we always preamble things with, I'm sorry, but, or yeah, I'm into this thing. And it's almost like there's that unsaid, sorry, like, hello, I'm here. You have to prove your cred or whatever. Yeah. Please, please accept me. And that shouldn't happen. No, I think a lot of the reason that um, we ended up starting our podcast and starting it the way that we did and and have continued to do it the way that we do it (laughs) is because uh, by simply existing and representing and just putting it out there. Um, and I know that this has happened um, because some of the most amazing messages that Emily and I get are these messages from, um, you know, from people who have actually been inspired to try GMing because they were listening to our show because they never thought 
like it never occurred to them before that they could run the game too. Like, you right. know, it's just the dudes running the games and whatever. <laughs> you you don't have to play a healer just because your significant other invites you to play an RPG with them. Right. The thing that's amazing is when we get um when we get feedback from um from folks who have listened to our show actually being like, hey, I heard this. And then I was like, cool, I could do that. I'm totally going to try it. And people will reach out to us um, and just like, let us know, like, I'm going to GM for the first time next weekend. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's amazing. Oh, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> or my my favorite is occasionally, maybe two or three times we've gotten, hey, my seven-year-old niece or, um, right. you know, this, this nine-year-old girl has run a just ran her first rpg and it's like oh yes beautiful can you imagine starting that young and like (laughs) who started chopping onions in here you know right exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh wait that was me i'm sorry isn't this a cooking podcast (laughs) so i guess you talked a little bit about what you talked about when you first started she's a super geek but I want to rewind a little bit further back, and I want to know, like, what led you to tabletop gaming in the first place? Because I think that's a story that is often very similar, especially Mm -hmm. for women who have never played before. My story is, you know, my husband was my boyfriend at the time and was like, I play D&D, you should try it. Uh, And I did. And I, I want to hear your story. What led you to tabletop gaming? Emily, why don't you go first? Okay. Uh, is this what led you to gaming and GMing or just gaming? Because the GMing story is better. <laughs> oh, okay. Then then what led you both? to GMing? <laughs> okay. Well, um, I, it, it was actually in pretty quick secession. Um, when I was in high school, I was in the anime club and I played magic with people. I didn't particularly like magic. Now, here's the thing. I'm super excited when people get super excited about things. So I'm not knocking magic the gathering or anybody who loves magic like if you love that that's awesome for me i was like where's the story i want story i don't just want to play magic the gathering all day every day at lunch especially and i went to college and across the hall from me was a guy named john john and um at one point he was like hey i'm thinking about getting a group of people together to try out dungeons and dragons fourth edition and i said there are multiple editions <laughs> and he said yeah so you know let me let me let me gm for you and he actually gm'd a one shot with just me and that's where i sort of got my first my first wizard character uh rochelle who still holds a wonderful place in my heart um and then the group kind of shifted and another person took over and they said we don't want to play, or at least he didn't want to play Dungeons and Dragons. So he broke out a different game and he was a terrible GM. <laughs> and like the sessions that we, we actually played, it, you know, the college thing where it was like all afternoon and late into the night. And, um, but that was on times when he showed and he showed maybe half the time. So at one point we, it was like the third Saturday he hadn't in a row that he hadn't shown. And someone said, you know, he doesn't have to GM. We can have somebody else GM. And so I was voted in a bloodless coup into the GMing seat. And I said, okay, but let's go back to Dungeons and Dragons. Because <laughs> that makes more sense to me. And I actually have that book. And that's how I started playing and GMing. And I've been GMing and playing fairly regularly since then, but have had a lot of 
different experiences, Senda sort of broke my world open when she <laughs> said, hey, let's play Fate for a session. <laughs> and I went, what's Fate? <laughs> and that led to a wonderful friendship. All right, Senda, what's your story? <laughs> well, the friendship started before Fate. That, that's a beautiful story. I like that you got voluntold yes. <laughs> to be a GM. Voluntold. Uh, I was considered responsible. I was a history major in the midst of a lot of like art majors. <laughs> and they're like, you're the more structured one, right? You can be the chief. Yeah. I love that. I do. I'm so happy that that's not an actual requirement for jamming because I would no, still never no, no, be no. jamming. <laughs> I've learned a lot since then. And I'm probably less organized and was probably less organized then than they knew. So. <laughs> Shh, it was part of the magic. So my story starts many, 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 many years before I actually ever played a game because there was this hilarious thing that happened to me in elementary school in the what late 80s where my mom, who was super into sci-fi and fantasy, was like, they're doing a D&D club at school. Don't you want to join? And I was like, <laughs> ew, boys. Um... <laughs> Aww. Like literally, I was like, no, I'm a girl and they'll just ostracize me. Like that was kind of my immediate response at the time. That's really sad. Right? Well, I mean, it wasn't helped by the fact that I was already like the nerdy outcast girl in my class, like from fourth grade on, basically. So Aww. and it was like fourth grade, and that was like when it when I turned into like the super mm. outcast kid. Being 10 is really hard. Yes. It's rough. Um, anyway, so there was, there was a D&D club and my mom was like, don't you want to play this? Like, she was really excited about it. And, and the sad part of the story that I'm going to tell you right now, because the rest of the story is happy, is that, um, my mom passed away when I was 13 and she never played a game in her life. And that's really sad to me because if she were still alive now, I would totally have been making her play games and she would have loved them and been very proud of me. So, um... So I have an interesting connection there, too. But so that's the like early, early, like sad part of the story. But then like I just went about my life for like years and years and years, like reading all of my fantasy and sci-fi books and being like super into like that kind of stuff and like that genre of stuff. And um, and accidentally <laughs> at a used bookstore picked up um because i was reading uh, uh margaret weiss and i think tracy Higman wrote it too i don't remember it. it's over on my bookshelf here somewhere but the dark sword trilogy right right because i read Dragonlance yeah. and it was amazing and yeah. then i was reading all the Dragonlance books and i was reading all this like i was reading everything that they had ever written and um Gateway all of this book. stuff right like in high school and um and in high school is also when i discovered anime right um and <laughs> started attending the anime club on college the college campus so I was at a used bookstore and I'm like mulling through the books because used bookstores are like the best. Oh, and I, I find this book and it's labeled as Dark Sword, but it's not one I've ever seen before. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I immediately buy it and I take it home and I open it up and it's not actually a story. It's the Dark Sun. I don't, I don't even remember because I don't think that I still have it, but, um, it was, at minimum, like the Dark Sun, Dark Sword, not Dark Sun. Sorry, that's a different <laughs> Dark Sun's different. Dark Sword. It was at minimum the Dark Sword like setting book, and I think that it had basic rules in it too. I think it was the setting book so that you could run it with the Dungeons and Dragons system. So like it didn't have all of the information that I would need to actually run a game, but it was basically like, hey GMs, 
here's how you write an adventure using this setting. And I was like, my mind was blown. I had no <laughs> idea what I was holding. I didn't know how the hell it worked. I mean, I really had no idea, but I was like, um, you know, like in my little high school journal, I wasn't writing about boys. I was drawing maps. Like, <laughs> I was totally there. But like, it didn't have any of the rules or anything with, like, you couldn't run anything from it. There was no explanation about what it truly was or anything that I really understood or like grokked because I didn't know role playing games. So it was one of those weird things. And this is, that's like the second intersection point of my life with RPGs. So then more years pass and I'm in college, right? I get into my, that was, that was like middle school, early high school, right? So I go to college and I land on the honors floor and I make really good friends with this group of people. We're going to anime club every weekend and blah, 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 blah. Right. And like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I found my nerds. Like, these are the people who understand what I'm talking about when I talk about fantasy and sci-fi and stuff. They're not looking at me crazy. And so I find my people and I'm like, this is really cool. And then one of the guys in that friend group is like, I think I want to run a game of Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, huh, how exactly does that work? And they were like you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, pew, mind blown for the third time. <laughs> like, Because it was like, wait, I could play these stories like that I've been reading all this time. I could just actually like play these stories. That's amazing. So I started, my first game was uh, third edition Dungeons and Dragons. And my boyfriend at the time, I was like, I want to play a Kender. And so he set me up with a halfling um, <laughs> like you do, um, who I proceeded to play as a kender um and gosh that campaign actually like that was the like oh man every weekend we played for like a minimum of six hours but like sometimes eight to ten <laughs> i remember a couple I of times i saw that. the sun come up it was amazing because what we would do is we go to we go to anime club anime club ended it it went from eight to ten and we'd watch two hours of anime and then we'd come back to the door and we'd play dungeons and dragons until god only knows what time in the morning right so that was my, that was like my, my intro and it was amazing. And that campaign went, gosh, it lasted like a year and a half. It was really good. It was a really good game. That's amazing. <laughs> Those are really great stories of how you got into gaming. I love that. And I love that it's not, everybody has a little bit of a different story. And that's important to me is like to hear the story and then to hear why did you keep playing mm. and what led you to play the games that you're playing now? And I mean, your podcast. Oh, yes, I, I blame Senda on that. You blame totally. Senda. <laughs> I blame James D'Amato. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you my story in a, like a very quick way, because this is about the two of you. But it was actually a campaign that made me realize that a woman could GM. Right. Yeah, and I it was actually Cat Cool who tweeted about your show, Aww. and I was like, "There's more women." <laughs> and then I started to listen to your show, and I was like, "More than Cat GM." <laughs> <laughs> See that that right there? That's why we do yes. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is exactly it. And so my husband had been telling me for years that I should GM, and I kept being like, "No, no." There's no examples of it, right? Yeah. You can't yeah. see yourself in that position because there's no sampling around you. Exactly. And that's what I want to do with this new podcast is like, Yay. I want I want people to see and hear themselves represented yeah. so that they can go, oh, this is a place for me. 
And I can do that. It makes me so happy. That could be me. (laughs) Because I was in a position where I really liked playing and had thought about GMing, but then kept being like, no, no, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. And as soon as I started hearing women GMing, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, I can do this. Yeah, I can. And my husband was kind of like, no, duh. Like, yeah. <laughs> but you sometimes can. you need to hear that from someone removed from your situation. Or just see it represented. And Exactly. Um, I mean, it's really interesting because uh, the first couple of times I tried GMing, it went horribly. It was a disaster. D- do we want to tell disaster stories to humanize <laughs> us? Because I, I, we both have some. And that's the other part of it is I think that we also don't want people holding themselves up to a standard that they might hear. Right. Especially if it's edited. Yeah, because we totally edit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Because like you don't want people – I kind of put it this way. Like Critical Role has gotten really big, um, of course. And people see like Matt Mercer and his players and they're like, oh, I can't do voices. And then, like, I can't do voices like that. And then they're disappointed in themselves when maybe they try and they don't think they sound that great. So then they don't do voices. Right. And that's what we want to avoid is we want people to see the best that we can be. But we also still want to be human and say, no, we all started somewhere. Yeah. And you get you get to a certain level with practice. Yes. yes. <laughs> experience comes from inexperience. And sometimes it is about finding which games and which style of running games. I mean, in the particular case of GMing, right? Which games and which style of running games actually works for you? Because Absolutely. I, I mean, the thing that I can tell you is the reason that I thought that I couldn't run games is because um, I was trying to run... Oh, this is going to sound so like snooty of me. I'm sorry. But so I wrote an article over on Gnome Stew, I think about a month ago now, um, about kind of playing with the idea of gaming from a proactive space versus a reactive space, right? And um, the idea being that proactivity is taking very strong actions or like planning your game in advance and like prepping um, and that in a general, like, standardized stereotype of the way that we think of, like, a D&D game, then we would consider the GM to be the proactive party and the players to be reactive because they're reacting to whatever the GM does, right? Right. So right. what's really interesting to me about having written that article, and the reason that I bring it up is because I can now pinpoint for you exactly what style of games and exactly what style of GMing works for me because I am not a proactive GM. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I am, I, um, I mean, I, there's a certain amount of passing a, uh, you know, proactivity and reactivity back and forth at a, at a table that you want no matter what. But what I found was that when I try to be a proactive GM, like I'm just not, I tried twice and I tried to be that GM that like I sat down and I mapped everything out and I, um, you know, had everything planned and I like built dungeons and had rooms and mm-hmm. stuff. 
And it was terrible. And I even accidentally like scared one of my really good friends off from playing D&D for like six more years because it was such a like not good experience. Oh, no. <laughs> it took her forever to come back. Thank She's coming back now. It's okay. It's okay. She's coming <laughs> back. But but I felt terrible. Like I, I was not. I was an awful jam. It was bad. It was very, very bad. And it was my second attempt. And the first one was like just as bad. So it was both of these like things that like I started and they neither of them went more than one session because they were just awful. Right. 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 But you have to remember, I don't remember who said this, but uh, sucking at something is the first step to being kind of good at it. Right. Well, it was really interesting because it similarly tests to you listening to podcasts and being like, wait, I can do this. I started listening to podcasts and then I started hearing other ways to run games, right? Mm -hmm. That were not that stereotype of the proactive GM who is the entire world and hands down everything and, you know, everything is planned and it's kind of this, um, not necessarily in the bad sense of the word, but it's kind of a railroad. Like your players hop on and you all go down this trail together and there's a specific story. And I don't have a problem with that kind of game. And sometimes I really enjoy playing that kind of game. And I definitely like... Um, I had a little hiatus from gaming because I had a kid and like hmm. life stuff and, you know, all of these things. But what got me originally back into it was listening to a podcast called Crit Juice. And it's very much like that style of game. And it's so good and it's so funny. Um, but I can't run that game. Like, <laughs> I just, I can't. Like, I literally can't. Um, because I get, um, I'll, you know, if, if I have it planned down to the last detail, then if they don't do what I have planned, then I'm like, well, you can't do that. And like, that's not what you say mm-hmm. as a GM. So the solution for me is to be a reactive GM and be like, okay, I know where this story starts. Here's, you know, point A. And then I don't know where point B and point Z are. Like, I don't know. We're going to figure that part out together. And then they can't possibly do something I didn't anticipate because I haven't anticipated anything. Yep. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I found that it's a much better story when you're you're creating it sort of communally. I would agree with that. I would agree yeah. too. So Emily and I met on Twitter. Um, <laughs> we met on Twitter because I suddenly started using my Twitter account because I had a friend who was like live tweeting this Pathfinder game that was sort of on its last legs. And so it was becoming like an entertaining thing to kind of keep the energy up to tweet in character. And so I had this Twitter account and then like that game died and I was like, whatever, I didn't think about it again. And then back to Crit Juice, like they were like, oh, you can follow us on Twitter and interact. And I was like, oh, well, that's a really good reason to actually log in. So I did that and it's like giving me follow suggestions and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't know, like following random people that look interesting. And so I follow this account that's like at the crafted DM. I'm like, I don't know. That seems cool. She seems neat and stuff. And so and then like a couple of months go by. Right. And I'm just like, whatever, Twitter. I'm like falling down the Twitter rabbit hole because I I have a Twitter like social media bad obsession. And and this was when it started and it hasn't gotten any better. (laughs) But so suddenly Emily's talking, this crafty DM person is talking on Twitter <laughs> to these other people in Canada and, and they're like, you should totally run us a game. And she's like, yeah, I totally should. We just need one more player. And I'm like, I could play. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. And then she's like, it's fourth edition. I'm like, I've never played fourth edition, but I've listened to a bajillion hours of podcasts playing fourth edition. <laughs> and honestly, it's D20. So like, I kind of get the basics. Like, you know, yeah. it's no problem. You roll a D20 and shut up, really. <laughs> and, uh, and so 
Like, that's how it kind of started to me. And then she sends me this email that's like, I like to get to know the people who are going to play in my games a little bit. So like, tell me your favorite movie and like some other stuff I don't remember <laughs> what all and like about your character idea. And, and so I'm like, oh, cool. Like my favorite movie is like the court jester and blah, 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 blah. And I send it off and I'm like, I'm, and I'm kind of nervous because like I'm, I haven't played a game now in like three years and I'm just falling back into this hobby. I don't know this actual edition of the game. So I'm kind of like feeling my way through it. I don't know any of these people. And so I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm like, okay. And then I get this email back that's like, oh my God. <laughs> you <laughs> like the court jester? Yes. <laughs> Nobody ever has seen that movie that I talked to. Exactly. And thus, She's a Super Geek was born. Pretty much. <laughs> yes. I mean, so we, then we, I mean, we gamed for about a year before we actually decided to start mm-hmm. a podcast. But, um, so we were, we were actually, so we were playing in Avanti, which, um, I'm just going to go ahead and plug for you, Emily, because um, Emily is running in that same world right now yep. for the Wednesday evening podcast All Stars over on the Misdirected Mark Network. And I think, what, two episodes? Oh, cool. Three. Three yeah, episodes. Yeah, it's are- called Avanti Glitter and Blood. Yep. Ooh. And it follows the adventure of four uh, family members of a ruling family of an island that maybe is about to get kind of plowed over by a hurricane. And they're trying to stop it. Interesting. <laughs> Maybe they find out some other things along the way. Maybe. That I'm not going to give away. Maybe. And Senda was actually the one to bring up podcasting. I had dabbled in podcasting before and really liked the idea of something nerdy or RPG focused uh, and, and female focused. And Senda was like, let's do this. Let's do a one-shot podcast with women GMs and right. it's going to be amazing. At the time, I was like, okay, let's do it with women GMing because I can't promise you that I'll be able to find all female players every time. Like, oh my God. Yeah. We considered that. Yeah. Nowadays, it's way easier. <laughs> I have a lot more yeah. connections. <laughs> yeah. And actually, for the first year or so, it was either Senda or me who GMed. And now we've had so many people on. We've gotten to play so many games that I never would have even known existed if I hadn't gotten into this podcasting thing. And I've gotten to GM games I never would have attempted had I not had to have a podcast recorded. And and that's the really cool thing I think about one-shot podcasts. Like I love campaign podcasts as well that are like an ongoing story. Right. But I love that there are podcasts like yours that not only showcase women GMing, but also showcase games that women have designed mm-hmm. that I've never heard of. Yeah. We we didn't we didn't really commit on the design front, but I really like when we get to do games that are yes. designed by women. Especially when we get to say, hey, come run your game for us. That's my yes. favorite. I also really like having male designers on and saying, hey, come play your game. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Play your game on our show, but we're going to run it. It's a little bit nerve wracking to run games (laughs) for the people who wrote the games. (laughs) I love that about your shows. Like I hear about like all these games that I've never heard of before. And I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. And again, it's it's showcasing that like, oh, I can see myself running more than just this one game that I've run. Yes. I could run anything. And it is amazingly freeing. So the year or so we played, uh, Senda and I, before the 
podcast, I GM'd for most of it, but then we switched and she was GMing and it was, uh, before that, um, we switched and uh, we were going to co GM a giant campaign and it was kind of amazing. But anyway, so we're, so we're playing in this, is in this carnival setting and I'm playing, uh, one of my favorite characters ever, Vesta. And the game kind of fizzles out and I'm like, but there's this whole other backstory that we haven't even gotten to for my character that nobody's figured out because I didn't tell them any of my character secrets. <laughs> so they couldn't look for the clues. And Senda was like, I'll, I'll finish this up. You want to play a couple, couple sessions in Fate? And I was like, <laughs> I need special dice for this. <laughs> Turns out you don't as long as you have a bunch of D6s. And I asked her like, where did you, where did you find out about this? Like it, felt so it felt like what i was trying to make D do like be a really story forward game and really focus on the social aspects right and i still dm dungeons and dragons that way you yeah, can hear it yeah you have every other did. friday yeah, it's great on the wednesday yeah. night, the evening podcast all stars avanti glitter and blood and i've gotten to play in so many wonderful games since then i'm all, i'm also uh the newest cast member since we're plugging things Mm-hmm. Yeah, plug it. Newest cast member on Redemption, an actual play Star Wars Ooh. game. Yeah, I know Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, you can skip to like mid third season. That's when I come in as like an actual player because I would had been playing an NPC before. But uh, in the fourth season, I'm like on the crew. Oh, and cool. I'm getting to explore things I've never explored before because it is a campaign. It is Star Wars. And I actually have a love interest. I've never explored like, like having a romance through an RPG. It's really interesting. It's wonderful guys I play with. I need to catch up on Redemption now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, what else do we need to pitch, Senda? Pandas Talking Games? Yeah. There's the fake podcast, Pandas Talking Games. It's definitely real, where uh, me definitely and not. Phil Vecchione from the Misdirected Mark podcast and the head of Encoded Designs talk about, well, I mean, in theory, it's a short form podcast where we approach questions from the perspective of one shots and campaigns, but also like sometimes our questions are a little bit broader and like as long as we can talk about things from two perspectives. Um, then we talk about them. Also, short form, aka the content is usually about 35 minutes and the outtakes are usually about 10 minutes. They have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that we didn't get to that, so you talked about what you do for the community with having women being able to see themselves and your favorite thing is getting these messages from <laughs> listeners about like, you know, their niece or their friend or themselves and how they're GMing and how exciting it is. Is there anything you wish were different about the RPG and RPG podcasting community? <laughs> I that's a big question. Yeah. It, it it is a big question because I feel like you're already doing what you want to see different about the community. I would say that that's accurate. I think that um we very much did we really sat down and and pulled a be the change you want to see in the world kind of moment together. I mean, I think that something else and I it, it's really interesting, right? Because I know that it's not necessarily obvious and we don't really call it out and maybe we should, but like I kind of like it just being a thing that we do because we do it and not necessarily like to call it out, but maybe if we called it out, then more people would see that it was happening and then they would feel represented. I don't know. That's that's like the level of complication, right? Yeah. is is, is actually trying to represent other and more minorities yes in the gaming sort of community either as players or also as gms right and 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 you know sometimes we succeed better at that than others 
but also it's really interesting because we don't we don't like we don't say like oh well in this episode we had a person of color <laughs> like we don't <laughs> right. we just don't do that right. or like on this episode we had a trans person or like any of that like we don't we don't do that <laughs> yeah and actually like i struggled with that when i moved from just featuring women well not just sorry that makes it sound shitty <laughs> We knew what you meant. (laughs) When I moved from featuring women and was like, I want to start featuring other groups in the tabletop RPG community that are not represented. And I was like, how do I do that without being like, um, okay, so listen to this podcast if you want to listen to a host who is gay or who is black or who uh, is non-binary. You know, like, it was like, it's how do I do that? And I was like, okay, I want to give people the option to list their podcast as such so that it's overtly out there without them having to overtly say it. Yeah. So here's a way where I can bring attention to podcasts who have these groups without those groups feeling like they have to wave and shout and be like, hey, I'm I'm here. I'm part of this group. Right. And it, now listen to me. Or to feel like they are the um, token. That's always a complicated question because is somebody there because they checked the box or are they there because of who they are? Right. And for our show, everyone is amazing. <laughs> and that's why they're on yeah. our show. It makes me happy when I feel like we can represent more people who should see themselves represented in games. If we could get to a place where, you know, like if you're like, if if a friend says... Um, hey, I'm listening to this actual play podcast. Uh, here, take a listen. I would love to get to a place where you wouldn't have to ask things like, is there a woman on it? Right. I would just really love to see a community where where we don't have an assumption about a default. Right. Now, how we get there is, that's a very long process. I mean, how we get there is doing what we're doing. Yeah. And it's one of those sort of tight ropes to walk between wanting to represent something you represent and wanting to let others represent themselves as well. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing is I recognize, I mean, I'm hugely privileged. I'm white. I might experience the crap that women experience, but I'm still really privileged. Yeah. yeah. And so if I can use the avenues that I have available to me to provide a platform for other people to be able to say, hey, I'm here and I'm part of this community. That's what I want to do. And whether that's with whichever kind of marginalized group, I think it's important because whether it's D&D or Star Wars or what have you, you know, Fiasco or Call of Cthulhu or anything, it's it sucks not to be able to see yourself seen. Yes. Yeah. I like that our culture is generally stepping in that direction, even if sometimes we have to push it. I remember as a kid watching The Next Generation with my dad and uh, watching DS9 with my dad. And then when Voyager premiered, it was all of a sudden like, I could be Catherine Janeway. Like, I could be a freaking Starfleet captain. And my uh, my cousin actually had something similar when Discovery started. Uh, she is um, half... Well, we're mostly Scottish and her, uh, her mother's Korean. And so she said, Hey, for the first time, that's me. I could be in the, the captain's seat. And I like hadn't even thought of it because I had Janeway, right? <laughs> I want people to be able to see or hear themselves and say, that's me. 
because you look at critical role and there are women and I see myself because I see white women, but there's only white mm-hmm. women and only white men. And that's yep. cool that there's women that, and that's cool that crit role is getting so big that it's, it's helping bring D and D and tabletop gaming to like, Hey, this is normal and this is totally cool and it's fine for people to play. But I recognize that not everybody gets to see themselves. and. That really sucks because I think about how excited I was and how blown away I was when I heard you guys and Kat GMing and was like, oh, I, I could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, how must other people feel when they don't see themselves? Because I didn't get to see myself represented. I've cried at the end of every new Star Wars movie. Yes. Not because of what yes. happens in the movie, but because I'm seeing... Seeing a strong female force user yeah, yes. in every single one of them, it's like, it's so validating to see in, in like this, you know, this franchise that I grew up adoring, like, but it was never about me, right? And like, now it's about me. Right. It's not because of who died or what happened or anything. The lights just come up and I'm bawling every time. Like, <laughs> yep. yeah, still. <laughs> well, and it's kind of as, as Rose said, you know, we're- you know, we're not going to get to the place we want by destroying what we hate. We're going to do it by saving what we love. Yeah. Ah, beautiful. Yeah. And so uh, I adore you guys. Aww. You ladies. Thank you. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you've been such an inspiration to me. And then when I thought about like starting this new podcast and bringing <laughs> awareness to all these different <laughs> people who are making the community be what they want it to be and doing the thing you know doing yeah. do the thing i'm sorry i'm 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 not crying no Just i was chopping <laughs> onions yeah i'm making a lasagna um. <laughs> yeah i've 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 in the past couple of months become way more aware of like my emotional self and I show a lot more emotion. So I'm trying to encourage that too. That's a wonderful thing because I think that not just with gaming, but we hide a lot of ourselves. Yes. And I mean, I think about myself and and who I am and I at work, I don't think I would, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not there yet. But I don't think a single person I work with knows that I play RPGs, listen to RPGs, have a podcast that I am right. playing an RPG, that I run an RPG podcast website, um, that like that part of my life is just like separate, so separated. And it's one of those things where it's I'm not at all ashamed because anybody who I make friends with when they're like, what are you interested in? I'm like, RPGs. Right. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. We hide this part of ourselves and whether it's the part that loves doing certain things or whether it's emotionally because we are expected to, there's all these societal constraints about what is expected from women and how we should act. And there's that stereotype that women being too emotional. Right. So then women started hiding their emotions and trying to not show how they felt. And that's not okay either. And so I love that the two of you are are showing the community that you're here, that this is what you love, that this is what you want to see in the community, and that it should be normal for women to be gaming and running games, and that it's okay to be really story-based and to have those 
big emotions around yes. it. And anybody and everybody should be okay with it. And I love that you guys are doing that because it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So, Senda and Emily, thank you so much for being my first guest. Yay! Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. I'm so glad you guys came on. We're super flattered to be your first guests. Yay! Yes. (laughs) Yay! Looking for something else to listen to while you're waiting for the next episode of I Am Here? Look no further than She's a Super Geek, featuring Emily and Senda, and The Redemption Podcast, featuring Emily, and Panda's Talking Games, featuring Senda. Support for the I Am Here podcast, presented by RPG Casts, is made possible by listeners like you. You can help keep the show going, get sweet excess bonus content for as little as $2 a month when you become a patron on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash rpgcasts to check out exclusive rewards for patrons and make your pledge. I Am Here is a production of RPG Casts. The intro and outro music was composed by Emily E. Mayo. Special thanks to Peter Grelly for designing the graphic art and assets for both RPG Casts and for I Am Here. Visit the website at IamHerePodcast.com for show notes, transcripts, and so much more. You can find more about RPG Casts by going to RPGCasts.com and follow on Twitter at at RPG underscore casts. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to I Am Here. It means so much. This isn't a sex podcast. The magic of editing. Here's a cool thing I don't know. Yes, you see, when a manatee dates another manatee. Uh (laughs) And they fall in love. It's beautiful. There's a song about him. It goes, um, goes, carry on Phil Vecchione. Keep it up, you're in the zone. No need to give your tongue rest. Won't you talk some more? Yep. I love that. That was beautiful. Thank you.